When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. All right, new edition of the Winning Plays Podcast is here. My name is Brian Robb, joined by the one and only Ryan Bernadoni at DangerCart on Twitter. And Ryan, we were texting today and you said, yeah, well, I can come on today, but I want to bring some of my own questions. So I'm just going to go to the side right now. I'm going to let you lead things off. Um, I anticipate you just want to talk about Glenn Davis getting kicked out of courtside seats or something like that to begin things here, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you choose the direction as, as the Celtics uh, are within a stone's throw of home court advantage in the Eastern Conference. Probably about a half game away in, in a few minutes, but <laughs> a stone's by, the, throw. by the time we're done with this call, I think we'll be about a half game out. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I obviously come on regularly um, and normally what happens is you ask me questions and I, ramble on and, and you don't get a word in um and, and that's while... not that's not true at all. don't like don't listen to two people who say that it's not true at all they're good conversations but but go on i know well but you know how it is i i don't know when to shut up um and uh i i know mostly i'm here for my sterling personality and not my my take so today i want to play host i'm gonna um bring a couple of questions here and my first one is is you know I think it's the big question that, that we all have, which is, do you think there's any players in the NBA who are going to get caught gambling on five team parlays <laughs> on their own team because they're using a publicly available app on their cell phone? Um, and, and if you do, who do you think that will be? Uh, because obviously now all of the leagues must kind of be shaking in their boots about like, oh, we got into bed with all these gambling operations. And right. now there's players who are gambling in, in uh, the NFL. So um, no, that that's obviously not where we're going to start. Uh, I think, right. Like there's a natural place to start here, um, which is that the Celtics are red hot, uh, and, and they've won these last three games, um, with the Hawks and, and Memphis and, and now the Nets. And those are three really different teams that they won in three different ways. And so like, aside from the one big thing, which is Tatum scoring and all that, like what has stood out to you in, in these couple of games, because they really are not at all similar games, but all three wins and, and, you know, good things in all of them. So what have you seen in, in these three that's, that's made you whatever happy about the team or excited or, you know, that, like I said, something different from just Tatum's been incandescent. What else have you seen in these couple of games that, that has you going? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's a good point just in terms of like the variations of opponents and the different ways to win, whether it's a big comeback or holding off a late charge. I'll tell you what, um, I know we gave him some credit earlier. Um, I think last time we talked, but I'm going to go back to the well again. Ime Odoka is hitting all the right buttons right now. And it's the guys are playing well. And that's obviously first and foremost of what's going on here. But Udoka in these games, whether it was, you know, start, I'll, I'll use Grant Williams as the example of, you know, when, I think that was against the Hawks or when, when Jalen got hurt, you know, starting Grant Williams at small forward and because he was playing well that game and to save the fact that their, their injury lineup was so depleted. I know it's against Memphis because Nisus went out that game and, and Jalen was out, but yeah, just a move like that, which was a bit, you know, not the obvious move. I don't think, you know, it was, and it works out perfectly. And then you fast forward to the Nets game. And then he goes and Grant's just, everyone's pretty much playing well, except for Grant in that game. It's like, okay, we're going to, Grant's going to kind of take a backseat here. This Tice Pritchard weird unit kind of played well to start the fourth quarter. We're going to go with that. And then we're going to roll for our starting five, which we usually don't do to close out this game because everyone just has it going in that game around Tatum. And so things like that, that again, was very hard to come around on early in the season for me. I think we, we were both very critical of him. I think rightfully so at times with, lineup decisions and everything like that. But the fact that everything's kind of fallen in place from a, what people are producing standpoint and the 
and Ime is kind of along for the ride doing some of his best work of the season, I, I think just makes the upside for this team a little bit higher for the postseason, especially for a rookie head coach. That, that's, did you, what, what do you feel like Ime's, if you're going to grade Ime in the last two months here, what is, where, where do you put him at? Yeah, I, right. I mean, it's got to be pretty close to an A um, for what we've seen. Uh, and, and I've obviously also been very critical of, of him partway through the season when I think that there were things that he was doing that uh, were, you know, probably costing the, the team some games. Uh, and, and even then we were talking about like, there even was still some good and bad in there, right? Like the, the defensive structure that was clear from the beginning of the season, that's like when they were healthy, they were going to be a very good defense was an important thing because sort of defensive structure is one of the things that coaches can actually have a really big impact on. Right. Right. Um, but there were problems in there with the way he was managing the roster and with the way he was deploying certain, the one that's. Keep going. Um, Sorry. Hit that back. Accident. I'll take that. <laughs> um, so yeah, a shooter being, you know, the sort of obvious one, but I think there was, was other things in there as well. And we had questions about like, uh, you know, while they're losing these games, not having uh, playing some of the, the younger players and sort of developing a deeper, a deeper pool of players. And then you see in that game, exactly what you said, like you turn it on at, at, at some point, or you're not turning on, you know, you, you sort of look up and you're like, wait, we're playing triple bigs because Grant Williams is playing at, at small forward. And is like, is that going to come back to bite us on the sort of the idea of like, they should have been playing some of these other players and developing a deeper roster. And so now you're out without Jalen and without Neesmith and you're sort of stuck in this who you don't actually have enough wings, but then they win the games anyway. Um, and they win them on some of those structural things. So uh, that's been really impressive, but also just a lot of those in-game things that have, that we sort of had questions about. Some of them are still there. Uh, you know, you wonder if the fact that they're playing eight, eight or nine guys every night is going to catch up to them at some point by the end of the year, or hopefully not in the playoffs, but you, we have seen teams wear down before uh, when they get to the playoffs because they just have been reliant too reliant on, on some players. So um, that's maybe the one nitpick that's still out there. Maybe it'll end up being more than a nitpick is that he plays such a tight rotation, but um, pretty much everything else is, has worked. And so you have to say that's the job of a coach. And, and so it's working really well. Um, and then you, you sort of hit on the, the next question I had, which was, I think a lot of people were looking at this team since the beginning of the year and saying, yeah, they're really hot, but they had a very, they had an easy schedule. And yeah, they were blowing these teams out and it looked good, but they were playing kind of bad teams. And then again, these last three games, it's actually not great competition, right? Like Atlanta without John Collins, Atlanta isn't, you know, they're what the ninth or 10th seed or something like that at the moment. Uh, and the Nets are as well without Ben Simmons, although with Katie and Kyrie back. Memphis is a different animal, I think. Memphis is a, just a really good team and, and was basically complete, right? Uh, and you sort of, like I said, just sort of mentioned it. Has your opinion of like their odds, not as they're going to make the second round or something like that, but as like literally like they can win the title. Have these three games changed your opinion of that at all? You know, more than thinking they went from a 3% to a 4% chance or something like that. Like do you, has it materially changed the way that you think about the team in, in terms of that? Like what's their ultimate upside? Or are you still a little bit wary of, you know, the way that I think they're starting to get talked about here? I think that it's somewhere in, in the middle. Like, I think it's more than like uh, a 1% bounce in based on these three games, particularly the, the Brooklyn game. I know again, that it's just, you can't take too much out of one game, but the, I think the fourth quarter demons, if you will, is, and I'll, you know, you can debate how much of that has been luck this year when they, they lost all those games versus just the fact that this team has a, had a pretty pronounced history amongst their stars of just collapsing in those big minutes, uh, going back to the bubble and was not good at all for large portions of last season as well. The fact that they're able routinely in these past six to eight weeks to kind of keep their composure in those moments to make, you know, the shots are going in, but they're also making the right plays in these moments, whether it's, you know, Jalen Brown's three the other night, um, which is coming off of an extra pass from Tatum and, and Marcus Smart. And, and, you know, they're finding easy looks in these moments, which time and time again, weren't there earlier in the season. So I think when you see that is the biggest part of me in terms of how I look at their title odds now, because yeah, like the, the play on paper when they've been healthy has been good all year long, even early in the season, the defense has been there. The offense has been a work in progress, but the strides offensively, um, have been considerable now and the pieces 
are fitting with Derek White coming in, with Pritchard finally getting those backup minutes to provide more spacing. He isn't doing a ton there. And then, I mean, I don't know if we want to talk go here next, but I think Al Horford kind of rediscovering his three-point shot midway through the season, I think is a very, very big development um, for this team offensively if it carries on to the postseason. So from that standpoint, I'm like, yeah, like you look at that, you look at the the way the Eastern Conference playoff draw is beginning to start to shake each other out, which may make us a gauntlet of uh, the postseason have at least an easier opponent in round one, something that a lot of teams in the East don't have luxury of. Um, I think all those factors into play. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm beginning to become, they're not 538 favorites, but at the same time, I don't think they're, they should have the fifth or sixth best odds in the East right now to get out. I think closer to second or third might be, I'm, I'm beginning to, to go there. Yeah. The gambling odds on them are, I think, they don't make sense at this point, but they make sense in the like Vegas always makes sense sort of idea of like, well, people are going to bet on certain teams and, and they understand that. But in terms of like what the actual odds of title victory should be, I don't think they make a ton of sense. Like, yeah, they should not be the sixth favorite at this point. They, I'm not far off them being the the number one favorite in the East. Ooh. Um, like I've been, so I've been pretty high on them in terms of like title contention for a couple of weeks, but that's because I'm very swingy about those things. Like so much of my thinking about what goes on in any individual season is like health and shooting luck. And like, if you sort of show that you have the base of a good defense or the base of a, of a really good offense, you know, when I say a good, I mean a top tier offense or defense, I, I sort of get to the point of like, and then if you get good matchups and good health and a couple of good shooting games in the playoffs, like you can win the title at that point. Um, and so my big picture views on the team are often different than my sort of short termist. Like, I don't think they're going to win the title because I don't think if you could ask me any individual team, I don't think they're going to win the title because I don't think anybody has 50% odds of winning the title. It's really, really hard to get to that threshold. Like warriors with KD level hard to get to that threshold. But do I think that they have like a 8% chance of winning, you know, something like that, which sounds really low, but in terms of actual contention, that's actually quite high. In fact, I think Daryl Morey has talked about it being sort of 5% in the past. And if you can get to 5%, then it's worth making big investments into your team because it's hard to get to 5% chance. Yeah, let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Bet Online. Football season's been over, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. And for all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next co- fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is your number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head on over to the, the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You can use a promo code CLNS50 to get started. Benline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC. From sports right on down to your Vegas Casinos games, Benline is your number one online wagering destination. Benline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Benline, where the game starts. Um, so that's actually the next place that I, that I do want to go. Um, and we can go back and talk about Al because I, I think it's interesting to talk about his season to this point and, uh, and some different things. But so you talked to, you talked to Brad, you interviewed him uh, for Mass Live recently. And I know you asked him about this and you didn't get a ton out of it um, because he's, you know, just always sort of close to the vest on these sort of things. I think pretty much all, all front. I mean, he spilled his guts, right? I don't know what you're talking about. He like, you No, I mean, it's a good interview. I'm kidding. Yeah. It's a good interview. Yeah. It's just, it's hard to extract that kind of thing from anybody, maybe other than Daryl Morey. Um, And so my question there is like, like I said, I'm relatively high on their odds of, of contention, but I've also been critical of the price they paid particularly to get, to get Derek White. Tice is sort of a different thing. And I can understand that that's actually not like a coherent position because if I think that they can win the title, then I actually should be okay with them overpaying. Right. Right. Um, and so my question for you is like, where do you, and I know it's, again, I just, you know, I know you talked to them for the amount of time that you talked to them. Like, do you think that the front office believes in the team in that manner? Or were they getting Derek White basically? Cause they were like, we believe in the team generally. And he has two more years on his contract and he's a better player than Josh Richardson. And like, we're going to take a shot over a couple of years here. Or do you like, you're around the team more than I do. Do you think that there are believers in the front office that like, no, 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 we could do this now because, and I, we've talked about this in sort of text and stuff like that to me, the clearest argument for that trade, it's like, we're pushing in probably more than we should in this trade. But the reason is like, we think we could win the title now this year or next year. Um, and it's not worth 
Josh Richardson, you know, the risk of that, like, we just think we're, we're buying this season right now. Like where, where do you really think that they fall? Do you have any better read on it than I do? My guess is that there's a, there's probably a varying opinions in that, in the front office on that. And I think that you could see being like, okay, white is, we have the control here and we have, so let's start building now. Like we don't, if Richardson and Schroeder, we know that they're not good fits. We, we don't want, you know, we signed Rich into extension, but you know, we, he's not the right guy for our our offense. We need a ball mover. We need someone who um, maybe is a little bit more reliable defensively. And so I do think that ultimately though, Brad, like, I think he's probably saw enough from this team in that, you know, lead up to the trade deadline, saw enough from them when they were healthy, um, particularly from that starting lineup, being like, okay, like, we don't know how long Al is going to be at this level. He's old as hell. Um, everyone else seems to be pretty healthy. We don't know when that's going to happen again, obviously based on the last two years. And our bench has been absolute crap. So if we actually give our something to our bench now, I think in Brad's mind, it was like, this is worth, you know, trying now knowing that it is going to be a long-term fit because I think to be honest, Brad Stevens was a victim of the Celtics being too cautious on that front for multiple years during his era coaching where the case can be made. I mean, it, I don't think it was the difference um, in 2018 or 2020, but one more solid bench player either of those years could have got them to the NBA finals, in my opinion. And so now um, obviously Danny Ainge did not like to overpay and that worked out for him very well throughout his career. But when you have two guys that are all-stars in their twenties now that are going in the wrong direction, like, yeah, if, if we think this is a price that's worth paying to, to add that extra half year to potential content here, I can, I see that. And I think honestly, that's probably where convinced them to, to kind of push those chips in a little more. Yeah. And I mean, that's where, like, I think that's fair. Right. And that's where I've always been. And when we, when we've talked about these things about like, if I knew more about what the front office believed, it's easier to sort of evaluate what they're doing, the more you know about them. And this is sort of a general question that has nothing to do with just sort of bigger conversation stuff. Do you think that teams should just be more transparent about what they're thinking? Like, do you think there's a real drawback to sort of saying what you actually believe? <laughs> um, because there are front offices, like I said, Maury seems to be the one who's most willing to do it. And I think everybody's afraid of like, oh, teams will use this against us if we say we think we're good or if we say we're rebuilding or something like that. Um, but I, like, it's all just a game. I, in many ways, I just wish that more people would just sort of say what they believe so that fans who are spending the money and their time and investing in the teams sort of are on the same page. The, the transaction game has become such a big part of the NBA that um, I don't know. What do you think about that? Like, do, do you just get oh, yeah. it and like, it's never going to happen or do you wish that they were more open and that you didn't, you know, they didn't have to drag stuff out of them or, or make such big inferences about what they're doing. I mean, again, you, you talk, you have conversations off the record and you'll, you'll get a little more um, candor at times. But yeah, I, I agree. Like I think, and to be fair, they hired a, ha- a head coach who is completely that. Like Ime Odoka will, from day one, walking in and That's being true. like, just like saying, hey, we're targeting, you know, uh, LaMelo Ball defensively. You know, that's what we did in crunch time. And yeah, we, we found our weak spot. Like, and just being, whether it's calling his guys out, I mean, I, you can debate, obviously, how much he was doing that early on, whether that was, you know, the right move or not. But th- those, those days are long gone. But he is, I mean, there, is, there are no secrets particularly on the coaching front. And so he's just laying it out there, um, good or bad. And that's, you know, again, it was, that has been refreshing from a coverage standpoint after um, I don't think Brad Stevens said a negative thing about an opposing player in 10 years. Um, So, but yeah, to your point for the front, I I think I do like think that, you know, fans are getting smarter. They're paying, you know, obviously a lot of money for your season ticket or whatever. And like, if there's no reason to kind of hide what you're doing when it's, you know, you can kind of make a better case for yourself as an organization if by, you know, putting your cards out there. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of, that's where I come down. I like, I just think that it would be, I don't know, maybe it's because it's the stuff that I care about, which is probably evidenced by this podcast that like, this really should be like the Jason Tatum and Al Horford and Robert Williams <laughs> conversation <laughs> podcast. And yet again, I'm here and we're talking about like big picture stuff and, and, and all that kind of thing. Um, but I'm going to stick there for, 
I don't, I don't know. I'm not ready to wander off this conversation yet towards the things that probably are more important in, in the reality. Um, and I would do a little bit of navel gazing here. Uh, so, <laughs> right, the turnaround, right, the turnaround, quote, the January 6th or whatever it is to like January 6th, um, the, the last couple of months, basically, I think are now starting to get a lot of media attention. Yes. Um, and there's this sort of race to like, play who gets the credit, right? And, and I don't think that that conversation has any real use to it because there's plenty of credit when you're when the team is playing this well. And like who gets the credit is, I think we're getting to it on this uh, on this pod is like everyone, there's enough credit yeah. for everybody here, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I wanna go to the sort of other, a couple other questions in there. And the first one is like, was this actually predictable in any way? Like one of the other things that's coming out is is a lot of people are like, oh, this this came out of left field. This was no way this could be predicted. And I go back and I look at where we were at the sort of quarter poll. And we had, a, there's a podcast that like, nobody's going to go back and listen to it, but you can go back and listen to it. We're talking about like, this team has a really good defense. If Jason and Jalen start shooting the ball well, they're going to be really good. They're probably the 10th best team in the league. Um, and then you go through the second quarter of the season and they're terrible and everything is miserable. And it just, I, I hate watching it and it's COVID and injuries and everything else. So, my question is like, do you think that this was at all predictable that they would play this well? And were we just like way, or me particularly, like way overreacting in, in the middle of the season? Or like, was it actually bad? And is it now actually amazingly? Like, where do you, how much of a swing has this been <laughs> to reality versus just like perception here? Uh, it's hard to answer. I, it was, it's hard to, it was really bad though. Like you, you I agree. Like we had those talks and- they weren't healthy. Like, as you like tweeted about today, like Jalen was out and then COVID like really ravaged them during the toughest part of the schedule. But with that said, there are some really bad losses in there. And it happened time and time again, where, you know, they just couldn't get over, you know, just, you know, taking a piss over themselves during like crunch time in these games, it seemed like, and this was kind of been the same old story going back to, to last season. So I think you combine that. I do think we may have underrated the fact, okay, this is a new system, particularly offensively of Ime. And it took them a while to, to really figure that out. And so I think um, that has clearly happened. Um, the starting five being together, building some chemistry together that, you know, they really didn't have that chance even at the end of training camp with Jalen and, and Al going out. Um, so once that kind of came together, I do think there was a lot of, self-awareness moments for certain guys early in the season, obviously a lot of, you know, potential, you know, at least tension that came out in press conferences or whatever. Um, but yeah, like it was, I, I do think it, it was remarkable. Like this is, th things looked really bad. It was the same old story night after night in terms of the fourth quarter. And then it all just kind of clicked at once. And now that's when you win 21 of 27 or whatever it is. So I, I do think the, the numbers were there for them to be a solid team, but I don't think, I mean, for me, the offense right now is the bigger story than def the defense was going to be there all year. The fact that the offense looks this good is where it's like, okay, this is why, you know, you have to start taking them seriously as contenders. I think that's actually a really good point and something that I haven't really thought about. And, and that's maybe where I have been unfair because my sort of next question in there was on the same, the same line is you've also seen, I'm sure these conversations going around about like people need to apologize to Ime Udoka and stuff like that. And my point has been like, no, he was actually making bad decisions at one point in the season um and that now he's far better than that and like what you should be focusing on is the rate of improvement not the like no no he actually wasn't a bad coach in that part of the season like i think he was actually making mistakes in there but that's what you just said is i think something that i that i was being unfair about now that i think about it which is the defense clicked so quickly that like they had three or four bad games at the beginning of the year. And you could actually like see the improvement. It was like game one, there's guys like pushing each other around the court because they're in such a <laughs> you know, they're in the wrong place all the time. They're getting their switches wrong. And within like, you know, like I said, like four games, you can see it just like, oh no. Okay, game one, they really didn't know. Game two, they got better. Game three, well, there's less of it. Game four or whatever it was. It's like, okay, they've kind of figured this out very, very quickly. And the offense, just they didn't figure it out that that quickly and i think i made the assumption at that point that it's like oh it's a lot of the same things that we saw last year with with brad stevens and there were people even you know i remember the conversations right they're like oh you know 
Emi Odoka came in and said to sort of called out Brad Stevens that the team didn't pass enough. And then look, they're, they're not any better at passing. And that's because it was 30 or 40 games into deploying, you know, or trying to get some new offensive principles and that those do seem to now have caught on. So I think if there was a place that like, oh, you owe an apology, it would probably be for me to be like, right. yeah, I should have been more patient about the offense and not assume that it would come around as quickly as the defense or that what we were seeing was the finished product. Um, and that actually has made a, a big difference, right? Right. And you have to credit the front office too, I feel like in terms of, okay, where are the problems with the offense now? Let's get rid of those problems. Schroeder, out. Richardson, out. Pretty much anyone else that's not useful on the bench, out. Get in Derek White, a guy we can play. Garrett and Tice, say what you want about that deal, but at least he, he knows his role offensively, like, and he, know, he has played with these guys. And then, and then that's kind of make things simpler for Ime to, to maximize things. It's a little bit unfair to Josh Richardson, who was actually pretty good. <laughs> um, but, but he wasn't no, a ball I mean, right. He's stylistically, not a ball Yeah, stylistically, it, it does help. Um, and I think that they also have put together a team that, that we've seen now makes a lot of sense together. Like all of the players who play do make sense. And I think some of the players who don't play probably would make sense in uh, sort of the normal conception of a team where you're saying things like, oh, this team needs shooting. Uh, whereas the way that this team is put together is more – it's it's maybe the most like focused on five man units of a team that I've ever seen where it's just like, no, 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 we're not going to have any, anybody who can undermine what we do on offense or defense. Like we're not going to have anybody who's a ball stopper or anybody who can get targeted in, uh, in a switch. And we're not going to focus on like, we need a guy who's going to catch and shoot just because if they're not good enough on defense, it's going to cost us more on, you know, in, in the, the aggregate, and we're not going to have anybody who's a Dennis Schroeder sort of like pound the ball point guard and whatever, because it's going to, it hurts that. And like, you just never see teams that are a lot of times you get units that are like three guys that make sense. And then two to sort of fill in the gaps and who have, have weaknesses. It's just like nobody with weaknesses is going to play. Um, and that's interesting. It, it's worked really well. Uh, but that I think does open up another question, which is like, they are playing so few players. And again, we just talked about this a few minutes ago, but like, it's like an eight and a half man rotation and players still get injured. Um, so what are you hoping to see for the rest of the season on like minutes management? Do you think it's that they just stick with a short rotation and burn through the entire season and hope it doesn't catch up to them and whatever, they're a young team and maybe everybody can play this many minutes. Do you think that they need to expand out the rotation you know, every game and play a ninth and a 10th guy? Do you think it should be sort of what Greg Popovich did and be like, we're just going to punt a couple of games. We're just going to sit like, you know, Jalen and Jason and Al and whatever. We're just going to sit at half the roster two games. We're just going to be like, whatever, if we, we're going to lose these games, who cares? And just sort of steal time that way. Like, what do you, because it seems to me like that's the biggest problem still with, with Ime is like the minutes load that he's putting on these players. So, but maybe I'm wrong, right? Maybe they can just keep doing it all year. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's a situation where, where they were in the standings, like he went to something and he he's wrong with it because it's working. Um, I do agree that I think the biggest thing you want to see, or at least in terms on that front, you have to you have to start being careful as you get closer to the playoffs with Al and Rob. Um, and especially if Tice is looking useful, which he he hasn't. I mean, he's looked bad. I mean, I think he looked terrible in that Indiana game. But beyond that, he's been you know, he's been fine. And so I think you have to even when everyone's healthy, um, I think you have to try to steal, get, you know, give him 15 minutes a game to keep Rob and Al around that 30 mark. I don't, again, like, I know Al went nuts, you know, he, he played 40 minutes against Memphis. Like, that's fine. If you want to go nuts in a game here or there, it's like, you know, whatever. Like, you're paying the guy $27 million. You can, you're playing him 25 minutes some night. So it's not like you're running him into the ground. But I think that's the area to be careful. Everyone else, I'm kind of okay with. I mean, Jalen's minutes, everyone's minutes have come down from the first half a little bit, like, when they're getting these blowout wins, it's becoming a little bit more reasonable for like Tatum smart in particular. Um, you have white now, so you have more reliability there. And then, you know, he's trusting Grant more. So I mean, it, again, it stinks now that Nisa's hurt. I mean, we'll see how long he's out for. So I wouldn't mind, you know, seeing Stauskas or Hauser or someone like that on random nights, just to against bad teams for stints here or there, just to see what they have to on top of giving other guys a rest. But it's, it's kind of okay there. Is there, is he, are you have a concern with like Tam's minister? Do you think that's still too high? Are you worried about him wearing down a little bit? 
I mean, I'm worried about all of them wearing down, but it's like, it's one of those concerns that's just like, what are you going to do about it, though? I mean, because right. it may be, it might not matter. Like, you, you can get through the season where none of these guys do wear down and they all get through the playoffs and, and they're fine. Um, and we've seen them try to protect minutes in the past and still had tons of injuries come playoff time, right? Like, it's, you know, Brad would play eight-man rotations in, like, big games, but he was always going deep into the rotation and you still had major injuries. Like there's nothing rest doesn't change a broken ankle. Right. right. Um, and so you can't really protect yourself against all those things. Anyway, it's just a sort of vague concern in the back of like, I've seen too many teams wear down in the playoffs, or I've seen too many teams where it's like, you know, Tom Thibodeau sort of things where like it works for one year, but then the second year, the third year, like how do you actually manage it? And on what you were talking about with Tice, like the problem with that is that Tice is still your eighth man because right? yeah. of the way that the, the trade deadline worked. They traded out, you know, multiple guys from the rotation and, and Tice coming back in. It's not like it expanded out from eight, eight and a half guys to nine and a half guys. It's like still eight and a half guys. Um, so that's difficult. Well, he's, and, no, he's your ninth. I mean, because you have Grant, you have White and you have Peyton coming off the bench. Well, but I those are, that's what I'm saying. It's sort of eight and a half, right? Like yeah, eight and a half, either yeah. Peyton or Tice. Right. Is your eighth guy. And then the other one plays maybe like 10 minutes a night. Yeah. Uh, but you don't go any deeper than that, really. And maybe when Neesmith comes back, that they will go deeper than that. And, and that's fine. And, and I, it's kind of interesting. I wonder what's happening with these like end of the bench guys. Like, are we, are any of them going to get any run to get a real chance? Or is it just going to be like, oh, yeah, like I said, we're resting everybody for this game. And so you get, you get to play. Because they do have a, quite a few guys down there. And you just wonder if like ultimately they're really just there for next year preseason and they'll get a shot at that point to, to try to earn something, but they're, you know, just sort of roster filler um, and that they're going to get less time than really anybody else, which would be interesting for Stauskas because by all reports, like he had a number of teams that he could have gone to and like, didn't right. they make him any sort of commitment on like, we're going to get an opportunity here because based on what we've seen from the rest of the season, he's not going to play not in any significant minutes. Um, and yeah, he can go into preseason next year and he'll get paid for this year, but it sounds like there were other teams who were willing to offer him that as well, where, where he might've been able to actually get on the court. So, well, I wonder if they sold it to him being like, you're one injury away from playing a lot. Like, yeah. I mean, but is I mean, he? That's my question. Like, I don't know if he is. I mean, he might be two or three injuries away from playing like significant amount because uh, they just play such a tight rotation. And there's a couple other guys he'd be in contention with. Right. I mean, with, with Nisif out, I mean, if they lose, yeah. I mean, Browner, I mean, you know, obviously that's the last thing you worry about if they lose a guy like someone in the starting five, a wing, that the depth just isn't there. But yeah, it is. It's a fascinating question. You think like what, you know, we haven't had a chance to hear from him yet, so I'd be curious to see what, if it again was more for, hey, we'll get you in the get you in the system here, so next year you have a legitimate chance to, you know, break into the rotation, or, you know, hey, like we we are going to think about playing you now, even though, like you said, there's no there's no sign that that's the case. Yeah, I get maybe I gotta look down the schedule list and see if there's a day because like they're probably going to end up in the four or five series anyway, and is there just a game that's like the second night of a back to back where they're literally they're just going to well, be, how about this? Yeah, how about in Oklahoma in Oklahoma City? on a back-to-back at the end of the West coast trip. Like that, that's certainly, yeah, that kind of game. The problem is that game is that that's like, if you play everybody, that's basically a guaranteed win. So do you like risk a guaranteed winner? Do you you basically do that against a better team? I think that's why Popovich used to get nailed for doing it on, on like national TV games is that there's a certain element of like, I have a 40% chance of winning this game anyway. So I may as well just throw it away and get the rest. Whereas if it's a game that you have a 90% chance to win, if you play everybody and you rest everybody, like you're sort of giving away more of a, fractional share of a win by doing it in a game like that but it doesn't really matter like i said if they're going to end up in the four or five anyway they're probably okay and it might be that they can if there is a period where they can get everybody like an extra day of rest and just be like okay sam hauser this is your chance uh and just just rest everybody but i mean we'll find out we'll we'll get get a thing one day where it's just everybody's getting you know some random game and do they do they rest everybody and then it will suddenly make sense of like i guess this was a a strategic thing and the good um, news on that front too is they have the fewest games remaining of any team in the NBA right now at 16. So they difficult schedule, but difficult game. schedule, right? But like, there's some nice two, three day, you know, breaks in there. Um, so that should should help them on that front. But do you so you think four or five? Do you think are you is three in play here? I mean, I I, I assume you don't even three, want two. And two. Three are both in play. They're in I mean, play, but like you don't want play. But you don't want two. Like I, I, the jockeying no. for round two is going to be fascinating the last week of the season. Yeah. If it's close. I mean, the, the best case scenario is Miami one, then Philadelphia and Milwaukee. 
Milwaukee having to deal with each other in round two, and then the Celtics in a four five. And like the Celtics could lose that series, but they're going to be the, I think they will be the better team in that series. Um, Chicago is an interesting team, particularly if they get back to full health. But like in terms of what you're looking at, like in terms of what the Celtics have done to this point, they, even if they don't have home court, I think they would be, you know, be favorites in that, in that series. And then you get Miami and what could be like a real difficult for both teams with the way the way they both defend and the way they kind of mirror each other in a lot of different ways but that's still a much easier path you would think than than the alternative of being like brooklyn and then 76ers or milwaukee like you don't want to be there uh if you can avoid it and i don't actually i don't know i think the team is very good i think they could win any series but it's a lot easier to win like two really hard series than four really hard series so and that's what i get what i'm sort of getting at it's like if you're in that that situation is it worth it to just to just, you know, take a game and, and rest? Or do you get all the way to the end of the year and be like, you get to the last game of the season, you're like, do you, you make your decision then? But that doesn't really get you anything in terms of like the the buildup of of mileage over the over the sort of period of playing every other day. Well, it's gonna be fascinating because um, that last you know, like the last week of the schedule. Yeah, I know. Is at Chicago, at Milwaukee, and then yeah. I mean at Memphis at the very end. But but if those if those teams are tied for like and like say Milwaukee, like say something happened to Philly and so Philly and Chicago are like you know, it's Boston and Milwaukee are neck and neck for the two seed at that point. Probably unlikely Philly could pull yeah, away from happen. it there. Probably not going to happen. But say there's a situation there where, you know, even where losing for both Milwaukee and Boston makes sense. Like the lineups during that week should be hilarious if those teams are like facing off in a TNT matchup with like, you know, three games left to go in the season. I think it would take Embiid getting injured, which you don't want to say, you know, but I think it would right. probably take that for them to get all the way up to, to two just because the lead to Chicago is uh, to uh, to Miami is too much, uh, and Milwaukee, who knows they're they're playing a lot better now. But like, I, yeah, I sort of think you want to be in there anyway. And then the Memphis game, Memphis is going to be locked in the two seed probably. Right. I mean, so that'll be yeah by all accounts that they will be. So that game might be everybody is just sort of you know throwing that one away and getting ready. Um, all right, so we're this far into the, the pod and talking about all the big picture stuff. Uh, and I, I actually I have sort of one more thing at, at the end, but Jason Tatum, pretty good, huh? <laughs> It's okay. It's a week for him. Yeah. Um, that was. Yeah, that's again. That's that's your future right there. It's like, what's your what's your title chances if you just start there, and if you yeah. you, you get more weeks like that, and again, I think more that the numbers are what they are, but it's more of just the making the right place and seeing the vision and having the guys around you, you trust, but it, it was, it was fascinating to see, you know, we haven't brought up Kyrie Irving yet, but Kyrie, you know, the two sides of the spectrum of Kyrie, both trying to take it at Tatum on one side of the floor and then making dumb double teams on Tatum the other way, other end of the floor that led to open Celtic shots in the last three, three or four minutes of the game. Um, that was very entertaining to watch for there, but I mean, Tatum and this, this Tatum has been really good for a long time, but now when the shot go, goes in now, like it has the last couple of games, it's just like, okay, like you're obviously going to get the accolades you deserve. But I think it's the, the encouragement for there is that Tatum has been doing this for, I'd say, you know, six, seven weeks now. And, and now the, the Celtics offense looks that much better for it. I I've been, I started saying it yesterday, the day before, like, I think he might legitimately make first team all NBA this year. Uh, just with the way he's playing and with the way the team's playing and, and where things are going to end up. And it's, it's funny, it's life in the NBA, right? Where you can, we can talk about all of the little things, right? We can talk about everything about maximizing the, this move or that move and how you should spend the MLE. And what about the dodging the tax and the end of the bench and all that. And like, in the end, you have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and it like that covers for so many other sins it also makes all those things a little bit more painful because it's like, are those going to be the difference between making the finals and not and winning a title and not because you actually are in the conversation for that. But it really does like it papers over so many cracks to just be like, and by the way, you have a future MVP on the wing and a future multiple time all-star on the wing and a pretty darn good center and point guard who are both making reasonable money. Like, right. You just sort of get those couple of things of the foundation of the team. Um, and the one, you know, the one big one, the, the pillar in the way that, that Tatum looks. And it's like, yeah, so it's really bad that they traded the Desmond Bain pick, but it's really good that they drafted Jason Tatum and that <laughs> they can, can sort of make up for a lot of other stuff for like seven or eight years of, of whatever you got. So 
you know, I, I completely get that, that I, I focus on so much of the, the edge stuff when like the really big thing in the middle is still the most important. And it's like, is Jason Tatum, and this is a conversation that's been happening since he was drafted or, you know, since he showed out in his rookie year of like, is he third team all NBA or is he third in the voting for MVP when he's 25, 26, 27 years old? And like the difference between those two things is you're not going anywhere or you can legitimately win the title for multiple years. And thankfully it looks much more like it's the latter one where it's like, he's going to be in that conversation. Uh, and I don't know that little graph that people tweet out whenever he has a good game of like beginning of the year, not very good middle of the year. Oh my God, he's the greatest player I've ever seen in my life. End of the year. If he does that again, we can win the title is kind of true for a couple of years now. Yeah. It certainly is true this year where I don't know after the all-star break, he just like, he goes, goes supernova sometimes. Um, and uh, that's, I'm, I'd rather it happen after the all-star break than before, I suppose. Yeah. Again, the, the timing, the, he looked really good. And like I said, after the break last year and the postseason last year, and now in these games against top flight opponents. And I mean, we'll see what kind of difference Ben Simmons makes, but at the same time, the Celtics are lined up right now yeah. where they don't have to worry about that. They're not going to have to worry yeah. about that. And that's a big, I think that's a big thing of like, I mean, who's still like, where do you put Brooklyn in the pecking order right now? Assuming that they're going to be, you know, probably seven or an eight seed. I don't, are they going to be a seventh or eighth seed? That's part of the question is like, can they even be the, the first team out of the play-in? Are they going to have to get through two games? And like, if you have to get through yeah. two games in the play-in, even if you're the best team, like you could just lose, right? You could just have a bad game and, and lose. Uh, and that's, boy, that's brutal. If they're like, if you're Miami and you're looking down there and you're like, man, they're <laughs> ninth seed. Like they, they literally cannot. Uh, that would be amazing. That's so hard. Um, and if they, if it's the alternate, because I think it's going to be Miami one, Philly two, if they're the, you know, the first team out and, and they draw Philly, like great for the Celtics. One of those two teams is out right away. Um, Cause those are, are two teams that are obviously a threat. Um, but I mean, I, who can say who, who can know? I mean, we all heard in the little mic'd up thing with Steve Nash being like, we've never played together, so we're not going to win pretty. And like, that's not going to change in the course of 20 more games. Right when Kyrie can't play at home and Ben Simmons is still a couple weeks away. And like, they just aren't, it's just at the end, it's going to be like, okay, we threw it all together and let's see what happens. And can Kevin Durant win us these games? And, and he, he may be able to, uh, but it's just so weird. It's such a wild card to have that in. And the, the West has had years like this in the past where you look down and you're like, man, that seven seed is really, really good. We just haven't had it in the East. Yeah. In like decades right uh, and it's just something that we're not used to to have that big of a wild card out there but it, it doesn't is. look like it's going to be the celtics matchup you know in, in round one and if we do meet them in in the conference finals or something like that's cool we're in the conference finals uh so be okay with that and uh, one thing i'll give Ime Udoka credit for too you know that and he'll be straight up about it he's going to make if if they're getting close to that two seed in that brooklyn matchup he's going to be like we're going to start seeing like hauser Malik Fitz lineups like he's they're going to do whatever it takes to avoid the possibility of facing Brooklyn in the first round and like you said it's probably going to work out naturally it's not going to be a concern but as opposed to Brad Stevens who would routinely be winning games at the end of the year that got the Celtics in the tough tougher first round matchups at the end of the year and then led to again this was early on so it wasn't really a big deal just only to, making three conference finals right exactly <laughs> like no but like early on there there are times when they like I know. Yeah, like that the fame tiebreaker. The fame, the fame tie, the four, the four team tiebreaker and crap like that. That it was just stuff like that where you're just like, you could you should have just thrown that one. I know that's not your thing, but um Ime Odoka, I don't think you're gonna have to worry about that if you're a Celtics fan, him being worried about uh, uh playing all eighty too hard. Yeah. And so I, I just gave Tatum his his props. I think it's also um we should certainly mention Jalen in there as well. Like he could have very easily not played that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, coming, you know, coming off what looked to be a pretty nasty ankle sprain, and then thankfully wasn't as bad as originally it, that it looked. Uh, and he didn't—I don't think he was 100% by any means. But scores 21 points, hits the biggest shot of the game, played I think good defense throughout. Like obviously they gave 120 points, but I don't think it was a matter of particularly poor defense. Uh, like I thought they played actually better defense in that game than they did in the prior Brooklyn game where they gave up 104, but to the team that was basically a G league team. I thought that that game, they didn't play particularly well on defense and just the data, nobody could shoot. 
Um, and that this game they they played better and just, you know, some guys made shots. So Jalen was, I think, a big part of that in, in terms of just like, this is a big game and getting out there when he wasn't 100%. And then, like I said, at the end of the game, they have that, that really basically perfect possession with 40 seconds left that ends up with him pump faking the flyby and then and then hitting the three to go up six um, and to get 21 and good defense out of him while while Jalen or while, while Jason's going off on a you know whatever 70 percent ankle uh, is something that he deserves a lot of credit for as well I think absolutely and then in that possession you, m- you mentioned where he had the three I think that the best part of that possession too was that he drove into the lane saw it too early on and was like nope I'm getting this out of here like I'm like he's having a lot of more of those moments now in the last few weeks where he's just not getting into trouble. He's kind of seeing ahead of it or just avoiding it, like getting stuck in the air, making the wrong pass, whatever. And when you have that with, again, the, the improved shot making that we're seeing from him, the improved shot selection, it's, it's again, it's has there, there really hasn't been like, I mean, this is what happens when you go 21 and six and 27 games, but like, has anyone even played like, average in this stretch like to to subpar uh, that gets minutes ironically like, it might be Derek White who actually right. hasn't shown a huge <laughs> amount uh and, and has been I mean he hasn't been bad there hasn't been anybody who's been bad I, I think right. you've sort of been there has there been a player who's only given you what you might expect from them maybe Rob and maybe Derek White Rob was really good at the beginning I think he's mm-hmm. had a couple of games where he was a little bit um less impactful towards the end of the game. He's really good in first halves. <laughs> he always stands out. Um, just like last game, he had five blocks in the first, whatever, eight minutes or something. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously when you're playing that well, you you don't have any holes in the roster. And like I said, it's sort of this constant five-man unit sort of thing that, um, that I think showing up a, a lot there. And then, uh, you know, again, on that last possession or that whatever, nearly last possession, it's not, right? It's like Jalen drives in, draws to realize that it's not the time, kicks it back out double team swings it to smart there's only six seconds left on the clock he doesn't he's not the one to pump fake and then try to shoot the flyer right it's just yep. immediate swing uh jalen recognizes there's three and a half seconds on the clock at that point but he has enough time to not force the shot and instead to let the defender go and then take his time and, and knock it down it's like and the ball goes through the net as 24 seconds you know the basically like the buzzer goes for for what would be a shot clock violation like in a situation where you want to take as much time off the clock there, but they didn't take time off the clock by just pounding the ball at the top of the key and doing nothing with it until there were five seconds left and then taking some kind of bad mid-range jump shot. It's like, we're still going to run our offense. We're just going to be patient about it and do it right. Uh, and that's what you're looking for at the end of games, obviously. And and so you win the game instead of lose it, which is um, a, a much more fun thing. Uh, I know we said that we were going to talk about Al. Al's been really good. He was good at the beginning of the year. Then he wasn't so good. He's been really good now. I don't really have that much to say on him other than I hope he continues to be good. <laughs> I don't know. That's the hardening analysis you come to this podcast for. Uh, I mean, what are you going to say? Like, he's, I know, no, defensively, he's been great. I mean, the three-point shooting has picked up and he's been consistently really great defensively and he still right. is. And so, yeah, I think you just, you put him in bubble wrap um, for the first, you know, last week of the season. I think that's the only thing about right now. It's like, he's 41% from three since the all-star break. The shots are much cleaner. And he's honestly, he's been really good from inside the arc all year too. Like he's been a very high percentage finisher around the basket, which kind of goes under the radar because he's, you know, he's not taking a ton of shots down there, but that's for a guy at his age now, that's like pretty important too. He's, he's, you know, taking advantage of mismatches and he's aggressive. He's like, he's, he's looking to take shots, which you really didn't see from him much in his career when he was here initially. Now he's like, Oh, yep. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm letting it fly because, you know, I'm, I'm going to move find my, my rhythm here and, and it's there. So I don't know. It's, it's a scene, man. I mean, we'll see. We got 16 games left, some interesting let's, opponents this week, but it's let's just, finish there. Right. What are you looking for in these next couple of games? Cause it's, you look at the next seven games, right. And it's like Dallas is, I think now the big one because the road trip yeah. does not look that scary anymore because Golden no. State's playing so poorly and you get Sacramento and Oklahoma city in there and right. Golden State, but Golden State's just, just not playing well. Dallas before that is the big one to me. Before you get to Dallas, you got at Charlotte and then home to our nemesis Detroit. Like anything that you're looking for in those games other than like don't have a letdown? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's Charlotte's an interesting one. I mean, you'll have the the Isaiah subplot there, but that, I mean, that's not really going to factor in. Yeah. Um, but they're going to be well rested. Like they're, they don't have back to backs in these stretches. So they're, they're getting, 
they're getting their rest in. And I think it is like Detroit, honestly, they're like kind of playing like a playoff team post all-star break, like with the, so that that's actually like, obviously not a gimme anymore. I'm um, not a good playoff team, but like one that from a talent standpoint is probably better than like the Hornets or whatever right now. So yeah, it's, it's just a matter of, you know, you, if you take care of business here, then you have a lot more time to rest down the stretch. If you kind of lock yourself into that three, four slot with, by taking care of business against these teams, taking care of business on this West coast trip. But beyond that, beyond maybe seeing a guy like Stauskas or whoever, you know, make his debut during this stretch. If, um, if he may goes deeper in the bench, I, I, I kind of think it's just like, it's just going to keep it rolling. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of where I am with it. It's like, I know I agree Detroit's been playing better, but like, that's a game that they should win. Right. Um, and again, I think a lot of it is like, uh, there's a lot of stuff right now converging on like this big Sunday afternoon game and uh, against, against the maps with Luca playing KG retirement day. And he was what? KG retirement day as well. Oh, uh, yeah. Jersey retirement. Yeah. yeah. It's that's a big one, right? That's going to be an event, an event game. Uh, and I would, really like to see them win these next two games coming into that and just sort of continue to roll right in. Obviously, surprisingly, I would like to see the Celtics win games. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a lot of focus on that. And then a lot of the games around it, like I said, they're not, it's not like as scary to go on this four game road trip when it's like, when it was golden, if it was golden state fully formed and Denver with all their guys and, you know, Jamal Murray, you'd look at that and be like, Oh my God, okay. This is another difficult West coast trip. But like, it's, it seems like it, it could be okay and this this role for the Celtics hopefully could continue a bit longer with just that that one huge event game that should be so much fun uh in the middle of it um but otherwise it's been a really good two months and <laughs> hopefully there's a good third month coming and fourth month and fifth month but um uh, I don't know this was fun I guess ask question and I, I say Ryan you ran the point here you distributed I mean we'll let the people <laughs> say for the feedback but this is this was just you know you look like you've been running the show for for years here so i'm gonna this is gonna be have to be a more frequent um situation when um when you're on guest hosting here but uh make sure you're following ryan at danger cart um make sure you let him know how good of a job he did running the show today uh rate review subscribe to the winning place pod while you're at it we i don't know we might we might start doing a couple weeks now, if they keep rolling like this and things get more interesting, we'll um, we might be trying to up our game too as we get into the postseason months. But uh, follow us on Winning Plays Pod on Twitter as well. And that's it, Ryan. You're you're you have to sign us off here because you're running the show today. Oh, this is too much pressure now. I have no idea how we sign this off. <laughs> I think you just got it all. Rate, review, subscribe. Right, that's the end. That's it. Great job. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>